Welcome to the World Impact Ministries Sermon of the Week with today's message by Pastor Beverly Rayfeld. This is a message I have never preached before. Um, this is a message that is God has been burning in my heart for the last um, the last while, and I've really been putting it off. And, and I've been putting it off because it is, it is an out-of-the-character message for me. You understand, if you have been here for any length of time, I am one of the biggest grace teachers you will ever find. The grace of God is deep in me because it is by grace that I have been saved through faith. And I will preach grace until the day that I die because it's not only God's grace did not just save me, but it has kept me. You know that when I have shared my story, that I, I've said all the time, when I left the world, I left it kicking and screaming. And there was a lot of baggage that came with me. And God's grace, I needed it desperately to get just by on a daily basis. And so you know, if you know me at all, you know that grace is deep in my heart. The Word of God says that when Jesus came, he came in grace and truth. And so there is a time where truth is grace. And today I'm going to come with a hard truth to the church. And it's going to be preached here before it's preached out in the world because everything needs to, we need to, we need to penetrate the church before the church can bring it to the world, right? And so I want you to, to take out your cell phones and I want, you to, I want you to shut them off. Because this is not a light, easy message. Yesterday morning as I sat at the table, even though this was burning in my heart to preach, I kept looking for something else that might be more palatable. I thought maybe they need to hear more about a message of hope. Maybe they're in difficult situations and they just need to hear about the hope of Jesus Christ. But then I got a phone call. Tammy and Grant, he turned 50 yesterday, and they had, this, they had this tons of people coming over, and they had let us know ahead of time that they would not be able to be here this morning because they had so many people in town. As I was sitting at the table contemplating this message, Tammy called me, and she said, Beverly, I have to come tomorrow because there's a message that God has given me to preach to the teenagers. And, she, and, she, and literally, the same message that God has burned in my heart He smacked her right between the eyes with it, and she said, I can't not come tomorrow because I feel the severity of this, and I feel the sobriety of what God is revealing to me. And as she began to share that with me, I understood this is a message for this season because it will divide. This, it will comfort some, and it will confront others. But we are not a church about numbers. If you look around, we have, we have some visitors here this morning. If we were concerned about numbers, I would make sure that this is a message that everybody loved. I am not concerned about that today. This is a message that we all need, including me. Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary back in the 1800s, she said, if I am afraid to speak the truth for fear of losing your affection, or if I'm afraid to speak the truth because I fear of losing my reputation of kindness, or if I put my own good name before speaking difficult words that will benefit others, then I know nothing of the love of Christ. I 
I'm going to go to a passage that you hear me quote often, and we all know it. And I love this passage because this is where I found Christ. John 3, 16, 17, and 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I'm going to keep going. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. See, there's comfort in verses 16 and 17, but there is confrontation in verse 18. See, it is easy in the church to become connected to a movement, to adopt the language of Christianity and know nothing of Jesus Christ. Have we adopted the language and be comfortable with a movement? We are preaching heaven and not hell. I promise you, there is a heaven and there is a hell. And we will wind up in one place or the other. There is no in-between. I have seen the penetration and the insidious entrance of false religion in the church. I have seen Christians begin to adopt the language of, well, whatever way you find God, it's okay with me. If you add anything to Jesus Christ, it is a false religion. It is Christ only and only Christ. And as the church, when we sit with our friends and our family that belong to churches, and they are speaking in this way, that it is okay to be Muslim and think that you're going to wind up in heaven. It is okay to be a Buddhist and think that you will wind up with God. We are complicit if we are in agreement with that and if we stay quiet. When did the church lose her voice to preach the gospel in truth and in fullness? There is no dual citizenship. It is one or the other. Jesus himself said, if you are not with me, you are with the enemy. There is no back and forth. There's no one foot here and one foot there. You don't get to embrace me and another God. Jesus is all-inclusive. He desires everyone, every person. He will receive. He is all-inclusive of every person, of every tribe, nation, and tongue. But there is one place where there is exclusivity, and that is he is the only God, that, he's the only name that will get you into a relationship with God. He's the only name that, that guarantees the entrance to heaven. Every one of us, every single one of us has an opportunity to be with Christ for eternity. But your decision happens this side of eternity. It does not happen when you take your final breath. 
That decision happens here. See, the word of God, if you believe it, you need to believe all of it. If you believe parts of it, you don't believe any of it. And so our truth is based on the word of God. And this, this book right here, it's Jesus and Jesus only. There is one way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. And I'm telling you, if that is not your stance, then you have made your choice already. If there are other gods that you allow alongside of the name of Jesus Christ, you have made your choice already. And you better live your life well because this is the only life you will ever live. This is a confrontational message. But I am not afraid to confront when I see complicity in the church. And I'm not talking about this congregation. I'm talking about the church as a whole. I don't care what congregation you are a part of. We are all part of the body of Christ if we confess him as Lord. Are you following a movement or are you committed to the person of Jesus Christ? Have you made a commitment where he's changing your life or have you adopted the lifestyle and the language of Christianity without even knowing Have you become so accustomed to the language in the church that there's a belief system that has set itself up in you that does not produce life, that does not bring change? I sat with a young woman a couple of weeks ago, and she came to me with her questions. She was weeping after a message that I had preached a couple weeks ago, and she said, I need to talk to you. A young girl, late teens. And I sat with her, and she said, Beverly, I know what this Bible says. I know what the Word of God says. And she began to ask me many questions about sexuality and what is going on in the, this day and age and, and, and what she sees in the world and what she, she, she knows is supposed to be right, but all of these conflicting feelings and on the inside of her because all of her friends are engaged. And she said, why, why does it matter if I save myself when the person that I might marry probably won't? What difference does it make? See, our young people are being pulled in because we have lost the ability to share the truth of the word of God in the, in the, in the depth of what is required. And it was a beautiful conversation with her. God opened the door. And I began to share with her my experiences as a young woman and the life of degradation that I chose and the life of promiscuity that landed me in a heap and a world of hurt. And I told her, I said, the night, my wedding night, I said, I said, you know, you, you know what the Bible says about being in, in sexual relationship outside of marriage. I said, I knew what the Bible said too, but I just didn't know what the cost was. And I said, here's the cost. I said, I stood on my wedding night with my husband. And I said, 
in front of him stood a line of people that I had been with. And all of these memories came flooding back as I stood facing the one man that I was committed to for the rest of my life. And I said, the regret weighed so heavily on me. And I cut out a big heart from a piece of paper and I, and, I, and I held it up in front of her and I said, this is what happens whenever you give yourself over into a sexual nature with someone that you have not, are not in marriage with. I said, it, every time you come together with a man, it, there's a piece of your heart, you, have the, you start out with this whole heart, there's a piece of your heart that gets ripped away that they take with them when they leave. And I said, by the time you come into contact with the one that God has for you to marry, the only thing you have left to give is is what's left of your heart, which is this tiny little piece. And she looked at me and she said, oh, my goodness. She said, I've always known what the Bible says, but now I know why. We need to preach the truth in a way that people can understand and comprehend, but we need to preach the truth. It brings them to a crossroad as to whether they're going to believe it or not. About 15 years ago, David and I began to listen and glean from the teachings of a very well-known leader who had just come on the scene. He had a very different perspective than other teachers that we had, were listening to at the time, and he brought refreshing insights to passages of scripture that kind of opened up a whole new way of us looking at the Bible. And we, at the time, we were heading up a, a thriving young adult ministry, and it was something that the young adults grabbed onto too. And we found his teachings very helpful in facilitating ministry in this particular group of, of college-age students. And in his early sermons, he combined emotional appeals with straightforward teachings from scripture. On the topic of sex, he warned dating couples against doing things that were only proper within marriage. And in his eagerness to win new souls, he didn't didn't, uh, avoid, uh, he didn't avoid difficult language. He would tell them, Jesus is your only hope and God cannot accept casual passive worship of him. These were the things that this man would teach. You're either headed to heaven or you're headed to hell. It's just that simple is what he would say. But there came a time when there was a subtle shift that we began to detect in his teachings. And he went from just challenging perspective to a quick descent into challenging and changing the truths that were written in the word of God. And he pastored a very, very large church, 10,000 and more. And when all was said and done, he was teaching that hell surely doesn't exist because God is loving that there are many ways to God, and whichever way suits you is good enough to get you there. Let me tell you, that is a lie sent from the pit of hell to deceive even the believers. It is all or nothing. It is Christ or no one. It is heaven or it is hell. See, I recognize that this grace that I teach you here from this platform every single Sunday, it is grace It is by grace that we have been saved through faith, and grace opens a way for eternal life in heaven. But you know what? Grace preached in the wrong wrong way will also pave the way for people right to hell. We cannot be so gracious that we lose sight of the truth. 
So I am a grace preacher in every name of the word, but I acknowledge that there is a heaven and there is a hell, and every single one of us will wind up in one place or the other. And it is based on your choice, not mine. I have made my choice. I made my choice 25 years ago when I encountered God and I said, I don't care what it costs me, but I just know that I can't live like this anymore. I don't want the life that I was living. And it took a long time for my actions and my behavior, Miss Grace, to catch up with what I want in my heart. God sees your heart and he knows what you want. And you want him. On your worst days, he knows that you want him. And on your best days, he knows that you want him, honey. Believe it or not, you've made your choice and you've chosen for him. Don't ever, ever let the enemy convince you otherwise. Your mind is catching up with the true grace of God on your life. He loves you. You've made your choice and it's for him. But see, others I know in the church... They have adopted the language and they're following a movement, but they have not made their choice. You may consider yourself open-minded. Again, God is inclusive of all men, but he is completely exclusive of other gods. It is Jesus only. This same message is being preached to the youth today. And Tammy is going to begin to walk them through the word of God. Because in this day and in this age, you better know where you stand. And I'm going to tell you something. If you, you don't need to explain this away to anyone. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees often came to challenge Jesus as he was teaching. And do you know what? He never answered them. He never answered them. He would actually start, usually start talking about something else. Because it is not up to you to talk someone into a relationship with Christ. All you do is you keep it straight, you stay with the word of God, and you let them make their decisions around you. That is their choice. It is their responsibility. It is our responsibility to bring the truth in an uncompromising way. It is their responsibility to make a choice for or against. But if the truth is not being preached, they don't have a choice to make. The word of God should bring us to a crossroads. Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That word call is cry out. It means to grab onto. It is with everything. You're not saved. I'm going to tell you something, and this might rock your theology. You're not saved because you said a sinner's prayer. I have seen many people say a sinner's prayer just to get someone off of their back. If you said a sinner's prayer and the Spirit of God has not come in and begun to transform your life, because when there is a heart that cries out to God and we want change and there is repentance, I promise you change will begin to come. This is something I've realized. I think it's easier to enter into heaven than some think. I want you to hear this. It's a little bit, I think it's easier to enter into heaven than some think. But I also think it's easier to go to hell than others think. Do you remember the story 
of the two men that were in, in, in the synagogue. The one had adopted the language. And I would have, David, maybe you can look this up for me because I don't have the scripture reference. The one had adopted the language. He was a known uh, religious figure in the church. He had adopted the language and he knew what he, w- he knew what was right and wrong, and he was very strong in obeying the law, which you know, if you've heard any of our teachings, the law is not what saves you. It's the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ when you are saved by faith. But see, there were two contrasting figures. There was one who knew the law. He knew the right and wrong. He stood in all of his self-imposed righteousness, looking down on the man who was on his face going, oh God, I am a sinner, save me. And see, there are some sitting here that in their hearts, they understand, Father, I'm a sinner, save me. And there are others who have adopted the language of the church and the language of the learned and believe that that's enough. And it was the man with the repentant heart. It was the man with the repentant heart that was noticed and said, this man is the man who understands, that understands. It is this man who is a mess over here in repentance. It's this man who realizes who he is not and is asking Christ to come in and change him into the image of Christ. David and I spent time in Haiti over the years of our ministry. We love the people of Haiti. And you're not in Haiti for very long before you hear the words voodoo. We knew it before we went. We, were, we, we knew what we were going to be encountering. Haiti is uh, just, uh, there's, there's a lot going on over there, a lot of spiritual activity. And so before we went, we knew that we were going to be encountering some of these things when we got there. And I think, uh, uh, and we did, but I think the thing that really surprised us the most is when we were among the Haitian church, they began to educate us on the origins, the origins of voodoo. And voodoo, we often think as witchcraft. We, we know it as witchcraft, and it is. But it might surprise you to know that um, it did not start out with, with the word voodoo originally. There were certain occult practices that came, um, that, that, that came with, with the people uh, that were in Haiti that, that were part of their culture and ancestral gods and, and all of these dark spiritual forces. And then the church came in and they brought Jesus Christ and preached Jesus Christ. And instead of the church discipling them well and saying Jesus only, what they did is they took Jesus and they added him to their cultural practices. And that's where the word voodoo came from. And so the most complicated place to minister the gospel is where people know about Jesus, but they also bring in the, the, the exercising of, of demonic and, and of other spiritual gods, and they bring that alongside of their Christianity. And I've seen that begin to happen in the church. New age practices coming alive in the church. Adopting the language of, I'm okay, you're okay, you're going to heaven, and so am I, even though you serve a false God. That is not the gospel that this church will ever preach, and if it's a gospel that you preach, I will confront you with it. 
I will bring you back to the word of God. And this is the bottom line. With the word of God, you either believe it all or you don't believe any of it. There is no in-between. See, the Bible was not written so it, we could shape it around our lives. The Bible was written to confront us that we would shape our lives in the middle of it. See, it's not this good life that I get to live with this amazing man now that has changed my life. It's the, the word of God that began to get into all of the things in my life that were not of Christ. And it began to divide. It began to confront me. But in that confrontation, at every turn, I would say, Jesus, help me. Help me. I can't do this on my, on my own. And every time the word confronted me, I would submit my life more deeply in the life of Christ. And change began to come. Do you question the word of God? Do you question its authority? Do you question its intent? God's not afraid of questions. But it depends on the way that you come with your questions. Are you coming actually looking for true answers? Or are you just coming to question the authority? Because when I don't understand something in the word of God, I don't sit there and question his authority. I say, Father, show me, reveal to me the truth that is in here. Let me ask you this. How important is the word of God in your life as a Christian? As a Christian, how important is the word of God in your life? Because outside of the word of God, you will be snared. Outside of the word of God, you will be tricked. Outside of the word of God, you will be deceived. If you are listening to every teacher out there, if you begin to listen to all of these other voices in the world, you know what? They will make a whole lot of sense. And you will reason yourself out out of any kind of relationship with the Lord that you ever thought you had. Paul even said, don't take my word for it. Study the word on your own. See, this is a church where we are equipping believers. This is not a church that we are looking to build a congregation of a thousand and more. And so because we're equipping believers, there are times where we're going to come and we're going to confront you with where you're at. And believe me, he confronts us before he confronts you. So I'm not coming to you with anything that he has not already done in me. Beverly, where are you at? Where is the word of God erupting in your life? Where are you allowing my word in this time? I know my word changed you 25 years ago, but where is my word changing you today? Where is the relevance of my word in your life today? Where is the relevance of God's word in your life today? Church. He is the way, the only way, the truth, the only truth, the life and the only life. No man comes to the Father except through Christ Jesus. And if there's any other gospel that you think you've gotten a hold of, you are not you don't have the gospel at all. I usually ask at this point, do you still love me? 
The only reason I'm preaching this message is because I love you. And I know the freedom that that book brings into our lives. I know it is the plumb line of truth. It is what my life is measured by. When I open the word of God, the Holy Spirit begins to move. When I open the word of God, he gets in and he warns me of places that I'm getting off. He also comforts me. He corrects me. He loves me through his word. I discover more about who I am in the Bible than I ever discovered about who King David was. I discover more about the life of Beverly Rayfeld as I read the Bible than I've ever discovered about the life of Jesus. I discover more about who Beverly is when I read the Word of God than I've ever discovered about the life of Paul. Because everything in my life that has begun to to be formed has come through the Word of God. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that word I am is a very intense way. In the Greek language, it is a very intense way of referring to oneself. It would be comparable to say, I myself and only I. So he was saying, I myself and only I am the way. I myself and only I am the truth. I myself and only I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except through I myself and only I. Anytime you add Jesus to anything else, to any other religion, it's a false religion. What happened to this young man that we'd been listening to so many of his teachings 15 years ago? What happened? When I went back and began to look at the launch of his career, this is what happened. I found what happened. I found how someone could rise and build a church of 10,000 people and then fall off and begin to proclaim that there really is no God. Any God that you choose is your, is your path in. And there is no hell because God loves everyone and everyone's going to heaven. How did that happen? When I went back to the launch of his career, this is how it happened. There was a prominent pastor who had noticed this young man because of his amazing ability to communicate. He was a great communicator. See, we're taken in by great communicators. We will listen to all of them if they have something that, that, that catches our attention. So you can be a great communicator and not be speaking truth. So this pastor went to his elder board, and though the elder board was reluctant, he persuaded them to give this guy a chance to lead. But this is what he said. He said, look, this guy's a great communicator. He really doesn't know the Bible. But if we can add the Bible to his communication skills, we'll have a winner. I'm not kidding. And they put him over their youth and their young adults. And his ministry began to grow because he was a great communicator with no understanding of the Bible. Yeah, when he launched his church, there were 2,000 in his first service. Because he was a great communicator. Let's add the Bible to a great communicator. You don't add the Bible to anything. It is not an added extra. As a believer in Jesus Christ, it is the foundation from which we live our very lives.
I'm going to read another scripture. And you guys, just stay with me. This is a hard one. But it's the truth. I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. This is Luke starting, it's in chapter 13 starting in 22. And it says, Jesus went on teaching from town to village, from village to town, but keeping on a steady course towards Jerusalem, he was headed towards his crucifixion. He knew what our lives and our freedom was going to cost him. A bystander said, Master, will only a few be saved? And see, this is what I love. They, a question was asked, and Jesus refused to answer it. Will only a few be saved? And in the message, it reads this way. Jesus said, whether few or many is none of your business. Put your mind on your life with God. It, it, the way to life, to God, is vigorous, and it requires your total attention. A lot of you are going to assume that you'll sit down to God's salvation banquet just because you've been hanging around the neighborhood all your lives. Well, one day you're going to be banging on the door, wanting to get in, but you'll find the door locked and the master saying, sorry, you're not on the guest list. See, we live in the dispensation of grace right now. Now is your opportunity to say yes to the one and the only. But there will come a day where that door of opportunity is closed to you and to me. The, the choice is here in this life while we breathe. And I promise you, I am not saying that once you say yes to Christ, that all of your sin issues are gone, that you're going to live a life perfectly righteous. I promise you that will not be the case. But what you will have is you will have a Jesus who is alive and working in you to help and assist you as you grow in the grace of God. Once you say yes, you have a helper that comes alongside of you. See, the requirement is not a righteousness of your own. That's grace, that I don't have to do this on my own. Sorry, you're not on the guest list. You'll protest, but we've known you all of our lives, only to be interrupted with a very abrupt, your kind of knowing can hardly be called knowing. You don't know the first thing about me. This is Jesus talking to someone who got caught up in a movement, who adopted the language of Christianity. That's when you'll find yourselves out in the cold, strangers to grace. See, you will become a stranger to grace once this life is over. Up until you take your final breath over the return of Christ, grace is available to every single one of us. But we answer here and we answer now. You'll watch Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets march into God's kingdom. You'll watch outsiders stream in from the east, the west, the north, and the south and sit down at the table of God's kingdom. And all the time you'll be outside looking in, wondering what happened. Tommy, I want you to come. I'm not going to talk anyone into making a decision for Christ this morning. I just preached the word of God in a way that all of us need to allow to examine our lives and our heart. And again, anybody in our congregation knows that I have never preached a message like this in my life. But when I see things creeping into the church in an insidious way, where there is pluralism and there is universalism, I promise you I will not keep my mouth shut.
Eric, can you get him on? This is a weighty word. And you may be sitting here. I don't know what category you fall into. I know that the category that I have fallen into is there have been times when I have kept my mouth silent. I have been complicit because I have not spoken out when I hear someone in the church beginning to speak a language of universalism. That will not happen again. God has confronted me. And I asked him this past week as I was praying, as I was literally scrubbing my floor and this message was burning in my heart because of what I'm seeing, I was asking the Father, what do I do about this? And he said, you confront it. Because confrontation makes people choose. And so the next time you are sitting in a place where there is talk, especially in the church, I'm talking to the church, of universalism, where it's okay to come through a Buddhist religion, or it's okay and you're going to get to heaven through a Muslim belief, or it's okay to incorporate new age and and the the higher power and all. The next time you're sitting in a place where it's believers talking that language, I pray to God that a boldness will come on you to confront it. See, a friend of mine who's not a preacher or a pastor, she's actually a mother, and she spends the majority of her time taking care of her children. She posted something on Facebook a couple of weeks ago that just challenged me where I was at. Because I've been seeing this, but I've been saying nothing. I have the platform, and she doesn't. And she posted this thing on Facebook. I want you to put the graphic up right now, Jake. And when I saw the graphic, my heart leapt and my heart was grieved at the same time. one and only God. He's the only one that paid a high price. That every single one of us would spend eternity with him. The only one. And when I read through her post, because she had a long post on there, and I began to read through the comments, I realized that there were people in the church even who did not like this. this is what she wrote. She said, when did we all, now this is a mother who who just, she's an at-home mom. When did we all start referring to God as some mystical unknown deity whose identity and name is left up to everyone's personal interpretation? Like there are all these powerful spirits out there and you can just pick your favorite flavor because that's the good one for you, bro. I've been hearing this more and more out of the mouth of actual Christians and I'm like, what? 
Jesus didn't get his flesh ripped open and have his body nailed to a cross in the most cruel torture known to man to pay the price for you to pray to any old higher power. Just because it feels good to you. Or for us to nod our head in passive agreement, which is, which is where I found myself at times not wanting to make the conversation uncomfortable. Nodding our heads in passive agreement when people are talking about their higher power and all the doors that they know about that give them access to the divine or to heaven or whatever else. And he certainly didn't give us his own authority and call us by his own name and walk through hell for us so we could pussyfoot around saying his actual name out loud, so we could pussyfoot around actually saying his name out loud. Higher power has a name and it's Jesus. Jesus, period, Christ, period. He is the divine. He's also known as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the commander of heaven's armies. He's beautiful and radiant and will not compromise on his title. He will not share his glory with another. The Bible explicitly says so. So I, for one, am taking a stand. Jesus is my God. He's the one and only God. I do not believe in any other higher power, and I do not believe in any other doorway or any other law that will get you to heaven. There is one gate, one door, one way. And it's this man who hung on the cross forgiving us when we had no clue what we were doing. That man who was willing to go through that much agony to declare his unrelenting love for me, he has my loyalty forever. I just know it was a message that had to be preached. And it would just be, it just, does, it just doesn't even make sense for me to go into the normal, oh, just bow your heads and close your eyes. If you feel something stirring in your heart, I just, I can't do that. If you want to commit yourself to a place of 100% loyalty to Jesus Christ, I want you to stand on your feet right now. I don't care if you've been saved for 25, 60 years. I don't care if this is the first commitment you ever made. If you will declare your loyalty to Jesus Christ in a way that is uncompromising, where you will put, you will put no other God beside him, I want you to stand to your feet and I'm going to pray over you. Father, I thank you for everyone standing in this room. I thank you, God, that right now they are taking a stand, Lord God. They don't even know what this means. Some of them don't even know what this means. They don't even know what this looks like. All they know is they're responding to a truth that they heard this morning. And that is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no man comes to you except through him. And so, God, I thank you that this morning that the Holy Spirit is going to fall on them, going to enter them. I thank you that repentance is going to come on their life. And they're going to understand that they know you in a way that they desire change, Lord. They don't know how that change is going to come, but Father, they are committed right now in this moment. I want you to repeat after me. God, I thank you for sending your son. I thank you that Jesus is the only name by which I can be saved. 
I repent of the sin that has been in my life. I give my life to you. I don't know what this looks like, but because you gave your life for me, I want all that you have. I thank you, Jesus, for filling me with the power of the Holy Spirit and that by your grace, I will learn to walk in your ways. I want to leave the life behind that I've been living. And I will want to live out my life for you and only you. In Jesus' name. For more information about this or other media resources, please visit our website at world-impactministries.com. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by this message.